Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And today, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Whew. Well, the words hopefully is going to be strong because my voice is not. Um, grateful to be here today. Um, it is, you know, I, I was thinking to myself as I was praying before service, I said, you know, maybe, maybe I just took on what pastor didn't during the week. So I was just, I just took it, took it for him. Uh, <laughs> to bear the burden, yeah, um, and that's all right. He needs he needs his voice much more, um, but uh, I'm going to try to uh, minister today. Uh, if you wouldn't mind turning to Ecclesiastes three and one, <clears throat> Amen. It's a nice day today. It's a good day, and. Uh, you know, fifth Sundays, we only have one opportunity to be here and blessed for it to be nice out. We just had rain. And uh, thank you, Jesus, for a little bit of a cool off because it was it was stifling this week. Amen. If you're there, we'll go ahead and read. So Ecclesiastes three and one, it says to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. And I'm going to read verse 7 in particular from the NLT. They don't have it up there, but if you follow along, it says, A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. I'd like to turn our attention this verse today. And specifically, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. Uh, Pastor, would you mind praying? Amen. You may be seated this morning. I have a short little fun video to show, if we wouldn't mind putting that up. I've always preferred the cream part of an Oreo. That's crazy. The cookie's the best part. Cream. Cookie. 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 Cream. 
River Cops. Choose your side on Instagram at Oreo. Fun little videos. Uh, it's my wife's favorite Super Bowl commercial, and she doesn't watch the Super Bowl. But um, it's interesting. There are certain places uh, in life to be quiet. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about being quiet. Um, and and you, you have libraries, so to speak. You have uh, instances during church services where maybe it's appropriate to be, to be quiet when there's tongues brought forth. Um, there's certain areas and aspects in which that, you know, in an educational sense, uh, it's good to be quiet. Um, being quiet is sometimes difficult, um, but being quiet sometimes is important. How many of you were just uncomfortable? That was on purpose, I promise. Um, You just encountered 15 seconds of silence. And it is uncomfortable and unnerving sometimes, the power that silence has on on us uh, because we're surrounded so much by noise. The power of silence is very uncomfortable to many people. man by the name of Michael Caruso, he he stated in a TED talk, he was talking about the power of silence, and and his subtitle was, Why Shutting Up is Good for You, which that's funny. Um, He said that Winston Churchill, when he he was going to speak, he would walk up slowly to the podium before giving his speech. He would put his papers down on the podium, shuffle around, all all while people, you know, maybe shout and scream and whatever, and, and he, he'd pull on his lapels of his jacket, and he'd wait for the audience to grow quiet. And he would look for his glasses, wherever they may be. And as the audience continued to grow quiet, he knew that everyone was settling in. Um, and then, just as everyone thought he was about to speak, then he would clear his throat and then begin to speak. He made the most of silence the power of silence caused the quiet and the hush of the crowd. It caused, it caused there to be attention. Silence is powerful in the sense of grabbing attention. Uh, and so that's what he was doing. He's, he, he, as many people know in history, he was a powerful speaker. And that was one of, it was kind of just a tool in his toolkit that he used. Just, just trying to gear up to speaking was even powerful in that sense. And so most people really don't like silence, and that's why we fill it. We fill it with background music, uh, talk radio, podcasts, funny videos, movies, TV shows, playlists. I am guilty. I am, I am the ultimate multitasker. I get that from my father. I'm the ultimate multitasker. If I'm working, if I'm doing anything, if I have the opportunity to throw on a podcast, put on a TV show or whatever, I'm going to do it because I like a little background noise. Um, and that's just the way I am. And so our lives are filled with noises and distractions. So using what is called a decibel chart for sound waves in the, the volume, um, ranging from zero to 140 decibels, I'm going to go through some, some everyday things um, that we encounter 
that create a noise space that we encounter daily. And so zero decibels, first off, is, is the softest sound one could hear. It's very, very rare to obtain that. But zero decibels is very, uh, very soft. Uh, 10 decibels is the level of normal breathing. And then 20 decibels is, is leaves rustling or, or a ticking watch. You ever hear a ticking watch? And like, man, that just gets really annoying after a while if you pay attention to it. Um, 30 decibels is a whisper. Um, 40 decibels is, is uh, comparable to the hum of a refrigerator. And all of these things are very soft level noises. Um, and they don't, over, over time, it would take a long time of exposure in order for you to lose any hearing. It would take a long time. 50 decibels is a moderate rainfall. 60 is a normal conversation or a dishwasher. 70 is a vacuum cleaners or car traffic. 70 is a police siren or a noisy restaurant. All of those are, are very moderate noise levels, and, and it still would take a little while of exposure before you would start to lose any hearing. Uh, 90 decibels are hair dryers, blenders, power tools. Um, 100 decibels is, is motorcycles and hand dryers. 110 decibels are, are most sporting events. You've got the crowd cheering and, and cheering on the teams, a lot of noise going on. And all of these are loud to very loud, and it can be dangerous over 30 minutes of exposure consistently. And then there's 120 decibels. That's where we get thunder and concerts and jet planes. Uh, 130 decibels are jackhammers and ambulances, and 140 are comparable to fireworks and gunshots. And these are painful. These are dangerous noise levels. And it doesn't take long of exposure to lose hearing. And so there are, there are many things there that we may encounter on a daily basis, may not. Um, but our lives are filled with noise. Even, the, even, like I said, the simplicity of the hum of a refrigerator, you don't think about it unless you pay attention to it. But there are all these things, you know, air, conditionings, air conditioning units, your HVAC unit, all of these things. Right now, there's an HVAC unit going right now, and that's, that's creating some type of decibel reading. So we come here in Ecclesiastes 3 and 7. And, and I read it in the NLT, and, and it was a time to be quiet and a time to speak. King Solomon, in this writing of verses 1 through 8, is affirming that God is sovereignly in control and at work in our lives. Uh, God has a time and a purpose and a season for everything that happens. And with that statement, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, Solomon is focusing our attention specifically to human speech here. And it's not something that is foreign to the scripture, for there are other areas that talk about appropriate times to be silent and times to speak. Uh, in Proverbs, there is the considered fool, if you will, who is portrayed as one who talks too much and is always at the wrong time. You know the people, the people that talk too much and they talk at the wrong time. Like, man, just think sometimes before you speak. Um, Proverbs 18, 6 and 7, I'm reading in the ESV, it says, A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, Proverbs 10, 19 and 20, uh, 19 specifically, uh, Too much talk leads to sin, 
Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Wow. It's pretty, pretty to the point. Very, very clear and precise. Um, and so there are times in which, especially considering the fact that if we certain times, and again, there's a time and season for everything, certain times not keeping our mouth shut could hurt our witness. If there's certain times and areas where we need to take a step back and evaluate the situation and think, and the silence is what's going to be our powerhouse there. Silence is often overlooked. In a world filled with noise and distractions, it offers several benefits sometimes uh, that can positively impact our physical health, our mental health, and our emotional well-being. One thing is, is stress reduction. Silence can be very overstimulating, and, and it provides, silence provides um, an, an opportunity to break away from the sensory overload of, of everything that's going around. And, and that can create less stress hormones like cortisol, and, and it leads to a calmer state of mind. Another one is improved memory and focus. Noise and constant stimuli can impair cognitive function and it can make it difficult to concentrate. Silence, on the other hand, allows our brains and our bodies uh, to rest and recover, and enhancing memory consolidation to improve our ability to focus on tasks. Number three is enhanced creativity. Silence has been linked to increased creativity and problem-solving abilities, and when our minds are not constantly occupied with all of this sound and noise, we have a space to better explore our thoughts and ideas more deeply and foster creative thinking. You ever had a moment where you're trying to solve a problem or something and you're just like, I need a minute. Like, give me a moment. I'm going to go think about this. I need time to process. Um, there's another, you know, four is, is better sleep quality. Uh, I don't, I'm not the biggest proponent of this because I always have to have noise when I sleep. But for some, I'm sure um, the exposure to excessive noise, especially during nighttime, it can help disrupt, and it will. The noise will disrupt sleep patterns for some and sleep lead to sleep disturbances. Um, and embracing the silence in the evening can help improve your sleep quality and lead to more restful nights. There's another instance in which. Reduced blood pressure and heart health comes into fact. Uh, prolonged exposure to noise has been associated with elevated blood pressure and increased risk of heart disease. Regularly experiencing silence can counteract these effects and promote better cardiovascular health. And then there's improved communication. If you're talking all the time, you're not going to be able to listen. And so with that, taking moments of silence during a conversation can enhance communication, and it allows individuals to process information and respond thoughtfully and avoid impulsive reactions. And number seven, it says that the psychological restoration, there is that, that silence provides an opportunity for mental restoration, helping us cope with information overload and rejuvenate our mental faculties. A lot of good things there that we, we may not think about, but when you come to think of it, maybe it's something natural to you that you, you need some silence every once in a while in your day. You take a little moment, maybe a little me time, and you're just doing, doing your thing, and you're, you're silent. Maybe 
not even saying a word. You're just saying things within yourself. And those things can be very beneficial in a very real sense. Another real sense here is uh, when I was going through college, I had the opportunity to take a few classes to get a certificate in sales. Um, I promise I have a point here. That is, uh, there were a few profound lessons that were important to success. One was that you shouldn't be afraid of the word no. That's one thing that any salesman is, is taught, and it is important because if it's approached correctly and you are persistent, kindly, then yes could be around the corner as long as you approach it the right way. But the second lesson that was important was important to be silent at the right time. Obviously, if you've dealt with a salesman, you know most of them do not know when to shut up. Um, you know, whether it's at the car lot or anything like that, you have dealt with those salesmen that they just talk, 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 talk. You can't get a word in edgewise. Um, and so just like the 15 seconds of silence before, is people want to fill the empty space with something. They want they, and an excited salesman, they, they will get ahead of themselves, and they'll, they'll harm the sale. And, and when asking for that sale, obviously the salesman does want to know the answer, the yes or no answer. Um, but it is important not to rush to speaking before, uh, before or after the ask. It is important not to rush but after you ask because the prospect, the customer, is taking time to think about the pros and the cons and thinking about a solid answer. And more than likely, they were just given a lot of information to dissect. And if you interrupt it, you are disrupting that thought process and which causes the customer to be unconsciously uncomfortable and probably is going to lead to a no. Another point is that silence, it gives the perception that you are confident you don't have to say anything to be perceived as confident, but it can be in your action that you speak. And everyone's probably heard the saying, have uh, the actions speak louder than words. There is a time and a season to be quiet in our actions and in our, our vocal. But I believe that the time has come for the church to speak up and to act out. The verse we talked about from Proverbs was talking about silence and in obedience. When, we, when, when there are times in the Bible, there are many times in the Bible where there's silence brought forth. There's silence that is supposed to be brought. And there is a theme there which is obedience. Being consistently silent in our speech and silent in our action while we are sitting in the house of God is not obedience. If we can't exercise our praise and walk with God inside the church, then what are we doing outside of the church? And I know there is a time and season for everything, but I would that somebody would decide to not be quiet in my speech. And I will not be quiet in my actions unless it is out of obedience. Jesus. I want to take us to Acts 4. Here in, in verse 16, we're, we're coming upon an arrested Peter and John. They were arrested for unauthorized preaching and teaching to the people. And they were going to be put in front of the Sanhedrin Council for trials. And in verse 16, it says, saying, what shall we do to these men? 
for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they may speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things that which we have seen and heard. The Sanhedrin did admit that the apostles had done a notable miracle. Yet rather than repent, they believe they and believe they focused on damage control among the people. They were wanting to stop the spread of Christianity and at any cost. And so they told Peter and John not to speak or to teach about the name of Jesus. And they both boldly proclaimed that it, you can decide. You can decide whether God thinks it's more important to listen to you or listen to him. But we can't but speak what we have seen and heard. We have got to get to the place in the church where we can't help it. I've got to talk about how good he's been and boldly proclaim Jesus to people. Jesus. There are moments in the Bible that are recorded that we see someone say or do little to nothing, and yet their action speaks everything. Mark 5, 25, and it says, A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, came in in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. This woman said nothing except for what she had said within herself, yet her boldness spoke loudly instead of waiting around for God to come around and find her Jesus walking around and find her which he could have done instead he she sought him and there was faith in the speaking up and the acting out and there was boldness in her proclamation to herself that if I could just touch him I shall be made whole there is faith in speaking up and acting out. During the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, he constructed a massive golden image and commanded all the people to bow down and worship whenever they heard the sound of various musical instruments. And those who refused to worship the image were threatened with being thrown in a blazing, fiery furnace. And at that time, there were three Jewish young men who named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were servants of the Babylon court, and they remained steadfast in their faith to the one true God. They refused to bow down to the golden image, and as it went against their beliefs of worshiping the one true God. And so King Nebuchadnezzar was informed, and he was enraged, and he decided to bring them and give them one last opportunity to bow. But instead, these three young men decided, we will not bow. Even in the face of certain death, 
they decided, we know that our God is able to, but even if he don't, we still will not bow. And what happened? They go in there, they are bound, and King Nebuchadnezzar sees a fourth amongst them in the fire, and he called them out of the furnace, and they were, they were fine. These three guys not only acted out, they not only acted out, but then when it came to being right in front of the king, they spoke out in the face of death. They decided that even if he doesn't deliver us, we are going to do it because that is what's right in the sight of God. And what happened? What happened when they walked by faith? Well, first off, they were saved, but then they were promoted. They were elevated because God decided to change the king's heart a little bit and decide there's something about him. And the king of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you say anything against them, you'll be thrown into the furnace. And it, at the end of the day, unfortunately, I believe where most people fall short in faith is we, we become... With the peer pressure culture of today, we become more like Peter when he denied Christ than anything else. And, and if you think that the church has been persecuted a whole lot, then you haven't seen nothing yet. We don't need to be the ones to bow and be silent. We need to be the ones to speak up and to act out. It's not time to be quiet anymore. <laughs> Isaiah... 1 and 17, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Doing justices was a basic requirement in that time that any quote-unquote God would have for any people. These were considered the responsibilities of any civilized society would have. And establishing justice and defending the vulnerable are the hallmarks of a successful king. But Israelites believed that justice was built into the very character of God. And that it was not just, it was an attribute and not just stewardship. But people that would serve idol gods they would decide that they would practice rituals to please their gods, but do it in a way to, quote-unquote, not rock the boat. And let me tell you that we've got to stop worrying about being outcasts in this world. And we're worried that we're going to rock the boat. Outcasts are popular now, so why don't we just go ahead and embrace it and let's rock the boat a little bit and get justice for this generation. When they were marching around the walls of Jericho, all they were doing was obeying. Their marching didn't do anything to those walls. It didn't make them come down. I mean, if it, if, if it was all just them, I don't, I don't want them to come around because, my goodness, I'm just going to tear down all the buildings. Um, but in Joshua 6.16, it says, And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets. Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. They were quiet. 
until the seventh time. But once the seventh time, it was victory time. When verse 20 came, so the people shouted. When the priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. The victory wasn't going to come to a quiet people. It wasn't going to come to people that had lost their identity. It wasn't going to come to irrelevant people. It was going to come to the ones who spoke up and acted out in obedience. <laughs> their, walk, their march did nothing. But they did what was told by the man of God to act out and speak up and worship. There's another instance of victory in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 1. It says, and it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedid. Uh, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to help Ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. King Jehoshaphat, he had faced an overwhelming enemy alliance here. And in response, he proclaimed a fast and sought Lord's guidance. And then God, then God had the prophet Jehaziel prophesy, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. And God fought their battle for them, and they didn't have to fight. But what? let's look at what's happening in verses 20 through 22. And it says, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir and which were come against Judah and they were smitten. God was fighting their battle for them. And God told them to stand there and watch victory. But King Jehoshaphat said that's not enough. We can't just be quiet. We can't just stand by and watch this happen. So what did Judah do? Judah praised. Judah praised. And they didn't sit down and let it happen. They sang, look at what God is doing. Glory unto his name. If the church is quiet when there is victory, shame on us. People are so uncomfortable with quiet. Yet when we come into a church building, we have no issue for being, with being quiet for two hours or so. And then whenever church is done, we'll fellowship a little bit. We know how to fellowship, but we don't know how to fellowship with God. 
Jesus. So we've talked about some positives of silence early. I want to talk about some potential downsides of silence. One is social isolation. Too much silence or prolonged periods of isolation can lead to social withdrawal and a lack of meaningful interaction. Another one is communication barriers. We talked about how it can improve communication, but then there's prolonged periods of silence that can hinder effective communication. It may create discomfort and misunderstandings. As communication is not just about verbal language, but it also involves nonverbal cues and expressions. Three is reduced emotional expression. Silence can sometimes be used as a defense mechanism to suppress emotions. And four, there, there's ignoring problems, choosing silence instead of addressing conflicts or problems that can lead to avoidance tendencies and behavior and allowing issues to persist and potentially worsen over time. And then there's lack of feedback. Silence can limit the exchange of feedback, which is crucial to a person and in their personal and professional growth. And constructive criticism and open discussion can be vital for improvement. And silence might impede those opportunities. And there's also feeling of disconnection. In a noisy world, complete silence can be very unsettling and leading leading to a sense of disconnection from your environment or feeling cut off from the world. Silence isn't always all that it's cracked up to be. We're so used to all these different things, sometimes it's the prolongedness of it. It's good, but sometimes the church sometimes I think has been quiet too long. And that's where we come into quiet out of obedience and there, there's the difference there because there's quiet out of obedience and then there's quiet because, out of disobedience and the continuation of quiet. There's another instance of action that I want to come to, and that is Jesus' trial before Pilate. He was silent. He didn't respond to the accusations that were brought against him. And this fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah, is Isaiah 53 and 6, and it said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not. Openeth not his mouth. He was being accused. He was being beaten. And he didn't say anything to defend. But three days later, when victory was taking place, there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descended and rolled back the stone. And, and I, as I was thinking through this and looking at it through this lens and, and, you know, I've never seen it this way and pastor can correct me if I'm wrong later. I just look at this and think when Jesus rose, he wasn't confined to that borrowed tomb. He wasn't confined to that. But the Savior decided, I'm going to put some action to this victory so people can see the victory. And technically, it could have been a quiet happening. There could, there, they, they could have not, there could have not been any earthquake. The, the stone could have not been rolled away. 
He could have just revealed himself to the disciples later. But he decided that making this quiet removed some purpose from the victory. It removed some purpose from the spread of the gospel. It removed some purpose because if he just revealed himself to the disciples, then the disciples have to, well, we really saw him. We really did. Well, like, well, the stone's still there. The stone's still there. He decided, I'm not going to remove any purpose from this resurrection. I'm going to show someone some victory. I'm going to show someone. So I'm going to put some action to this. I didn't say anything before, but look at what happened. Jesus. If you would please stand. We can, music can come. In preparation for this message, I was reading and, and listening to things and, and I listened to a, a, another TED talk by a conductor Neil Gittleman and, and he was talking also about the power of silence it was a few it was older than the one I was listening to before and, and, and he was going through his talk and, and he came upon something very profound to me he, he stayed he took a five day retreat at the Abbey of Our Lady of Gethsemane near Bardstown, Kentucky and, and this is a Caesarian monastery founded in 1848. And, and, and he obviously, if you know anything about monks, uh, silence is very important. And, and Gittleman stated that they use silence as a tool to focus their attention inward to prayer and outward to work. But something that I found interesting that I, I didn't know, and maybe it was, maybe it was out of pure ignorance or, or maybe, but the, but the monks aren't completely silent. Seven times a day, they get together in the church and they sing psalms. Gittleman stated that every two weeks, they sing their way through all 150 psalms, and then they start it over again. And this, this realization was crazy to me. The monks are silent all the time unless, unless they are directed otherwise, except for worship. We get it backwards so many times unless... We get us backwards that we worship all these other things in our lives. And we forsake relationship outside the four walls of this church building. That when we get here, when the first person comes to the microphone, when the first key is struck on the keyboard, we neglect action of vocal praise and worship and action of praise and worship. There is a time and a season for everything, and I believe that the people of God have been quiet long enough. It is not time to be quiet. When the church is quiet too long, we lose our identity. When the church is quiet too long, we isolate ourselves from God. When the church is quiet too long, we neglect to worship God. When the church is quiet too long, we aren't able to express God's love to people. When the church is quiet too long, we let down the next generation. When the church is quiet too long, we don't address problems to be relevant at the cost of souls. When the church is quiet too long, we don't accept correction from God. When the church is quiet too long, Satan rejoices. I wonder if someone could come to these altars today and decide that the season is right to speak up and to act out. I don't want to be quiet for so long that I lose my identity. I don't want to be quiet for so long that I neglect to worship and that I neglect to witness and that I neglect to stand up. Oh, 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 o
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.